Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 19, week 19, volume 19. So this week we've got all the Mosh news, we've got Mosh reviews, and I've got a Mosh interview with a very good close friend of mine, Owen of Digital Beard Photography and Rock You Like a Hurricana podcast. All of that coming up in the show. So let's kick things off with a bit of Mosh news. And one of the big, exciting pieces of news was some tour news coming out of the Parkway Drive camp. They are doing their Reverence Australian tour this October and November. Even bigger with that announcement is that they are bringing along with them Killswitch Engage and Thy Art Is Murder. It's pretty exciting times to see one of the biggest bands in the world, Killswitch Engage, playing support to Parkway Drive. It really shows where Parkway Drive are excelling and moving forward in the industry. That tour, like I said, starts off in October on the 25th in Canberra, then hits all the major cities. We've got Sydney, Newcastle, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide, and it concludes on the November 6th in Perth. Another bit of interesting news with this tour is this is all big stadiums, big arenas tour. Like I've said previously on the podcast, Parkway are at that stage of their career where they do play stadiums over in Europe and America, and it was only natural that it would start happening here, and it's great to see the band playing such big-sized venues. Hopefully everyone is getting their tickets. Tickets are on sale now. Make sure you grab a ticket. Such a stellar fucking lineup, and surely going to be one of the best tours of the year. Speaking of tours, we also got a bit of a local with a bit of international mixed tour announced. Psychroptic, the Tassie Tech death metal guys, are going to be touring around Australia in August. And they're taking along with them Ark Spear and Hadal Mal. It's going to be a very death metal, very tech savvy show. If you've seen Psychroptic live, you know how energetic and phenomenal their show is. Make sure you get along. Tickets are on sale now. It will be happening in August, like I said, kicking off at the Crowbar in Brisbane, wrapping up on the 25th of August in Adelaide at Fowler's. Really stellar show, and hopefully this means that Psychroptic are going to be doing this tour on the back of a new album. There has been rumblings from the camp that they are in the process of recording, so hopefully by this stage they'll be doing it with some new music. Other news this week was Wisdom in Chains have announced their seventh album. The seventh album is called Nothing in Nature Respects Weakness. The Hardcore Boys are back again. I've been lucky enough to already be been sent a advanced copy of the album. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I will be diving into it over the next few weeks. That album comes out in July. We will be, of course, reviewing it in the coming weeks. Other album news this week was the Chelsea Grin Boys have announced their new album will be called Eternal Nightmare. It's coming out on July 13th through Rise Records. And as we know, we've discussed in previous weeks, there's been a mix-up in the Chelsea Grin camp. Their vocalist is now ex-Lorna Shaw vocalist. And of course, Alex, who used to sing or scream, whatever you want to call it, in Chelsea Grin's now got his own solo project called Grudges. So this album's going to be interesting to hear. Where are Chelsea Grin going? Are they pushing forward with their sound? Or are they going to just 
become another one of those deathcore bands that just churn out the same shit over and over and over. So we will be reviewing that in coming weeks. And if there's any more video clips or music videos that come out, we'll of course also be releasing them through our website and social medias. Other album news this week. There's quite a bit of it going on. We also heard that Clutch are set to release their new album on September the 7th. And it's going to be called Book of Bad Decisions. The stoner, rock, stoner metal, whatever you want to call them, legends, uh, finally coming back with a new album. And we had a taste of it released this week. And it sounds like Clutch. No complaints. Sounds really groovy. It's got that bluesy, southerny feel. And surely going to be one of the best albums in that genre this year. We will be reviewing it as always. We also got an announcement from Between the Buried and Me. They will be finally releasing part two of Automator on July 13th through Sumerian Records. All that information's on our website and social medias. We also got a couple of music videos dropped this week. Motionless in White dropped a music video for their song Voices. Harm's Way unleashed a music video for their song Last Man. We also had While She Sleeps, the British boys themselves released an alternative version to their song Silent Speaks. Now, this version was recorded at a church hall in their hometown of Sheffield and it's really stripped back. It's a bit acoustic sounding. Really exciting, different version from these guys. Now, the reason they released this is coming up soon, they'll be releasing a limited edition version of their album, You Are We. And it's coming out in a three vinyl edition and it's coming out in an extended CD version. Really excited to get into that. We will review that, but it's probably not going to be a big review because it's literally just acoustic versions and slight alterations of those songs. But that music video for Silence Speaks is on our website and social medias. We also got a new music video from Too Pure To Die. They have released their first music video in over 10 years. I think it's about 12 years since they last dropped a music video. Really exciting to have these guys back on the scene. The hardcore metalcore guys who, at the time when they were really going strong, were one of those names that everyone knew and they've kind of dropped away a bit, went and did their own thing outside of music and appears they're back and they're back with a mission. That music video is on our website and social medias as always. And the last bit of exciting news this week was Outsiders Code from Melbourne out of nowhere dropped a new single called Trust to Dust on Resist Records. Outsiders Code, uh, hardcore bruisers themselves from Melbourne, and they haven't done anything for about five years. They were a band that had a lot of promise when they released their debut album. They were playing a lot of shows, getting international shows, and then they just kind of disappeared. There was nothing really said. They occasionally, once a year, were appearing on some shows and were kind of saying, look, we are writing new music. And then we heard nothing from them. And this week, we did finally get that new single, Sounds Hardcore As Fuck. Sounds like Outsiders Code have done the right thing. They've taken time out and they've come back refreshed and still sounding as pissed off as ever. 
hopefully this will lead to a new EP or album. When details come to light, we will keep you updated. And that is it for Mosh News this week. As always, make sure you're subscribed and paying attention to the website daily and on a regular basis. That website, of course, is www.themoshzone.com. Also, don't forget to like and follow our social medias, which are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, of course, tell all your friends to like us and follow us as well. Help us spread the word about The Mosh Zone community. So now it's time for Mosh Reviews. Now, before we get into the reviews, I saw a very good and close friend of mine over the weekend, and I got some very constructive and effective criticism from him. And one thing he said about this show is he said that he had no real complaints. He just maybe asked if I should make these reviews a bit shorter. So I completely took that on board, and I understand what he means I can get caught up in the moment and sometimes ramble on a bit. So we're going to try and streamline the reviews, kind of just give you a generalized idea of what's going on and kind of tell you whether it's worth you listening to it or not. We'll still give you a number out of 10 to give you another gauge of it as well. So enough about that. So let's dive into the first one this week. And the first album up this week is the new album by Burn the Priest called Legion XX. Now, of course, if you know Lamb of God, you know that originally the band were called Burn the Priest. They changed their name to Lamb of God in 1999. The band have decided to do a covers album, which is this one, Legion XX, and they've decided to opt to do it under the Burn the Priest name. When you think of Lamb of God or Burn the Priest, you know that you've got arguably one of the most successful and biggest names in this new wave of American heavy metal that we kind of call it. This album is interesting. It's very exciting. um, But you need to not forget it is a cover album. It can be tricky in spots. Some of these songs, you might know the original, so you might have a bit of extra interest in the song some songs you won't have a fucking clue what they are so you might just skip over them they've said that this album is their roots so there is a lot of bands on here that you may know or may not know there's bands like quicksand bad brains all of these kind of bands that they grew up on melvin's all of these there's a big list 10 tracks goes for 38 minutes it does go really quick It definitely is Lamb of God slash Burn the Priest doing these songs. There's definitely a unique twist to each song. Some songs do sound a bit too original, which I think that's a problem with covers. You can maybe sound too much like the original track, but then others are completely fresh takes on it. It is excellent to see Lamb of God having the ability to go back to Burn the Priest days. Really good songs on here. It's really hard to gauge this in a review sense. It's kind of a collector's thing. I don't think it's an album that I will necessarily go back to when I want to listen to Burn the Priest or Lamb of God, but it was definitely exciting to spend some time getting into it, having a listen. So the album is Burn the Priest. It is Legion XX. And to be honest, 
I'd give it an 8 out of 10. Next album up for review is the new album by Light This City called Terminal Bloom, out now. Now, Light This City are a band that were definitely around in the early 2000s and making a name for themselves. They have that ability to kind of blend the melodic Swedish death metal sound with a very metalcore sound from that time. They took some time off after doing four albums and they've come back with this album, Terminal Bloom. Now, when I said they took time off, they've been away for 10 years. They announced their breakup in 2008, and since that breakup, they have occasionally done some sporadic live shows, but not much else. They've decided to reform and write this album, and being honest, I wasn't really a fan of this band originally, but I came into this album with an open mind, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. There is a lot of musicianship going on here that's next level. They're a band that don't seem to be resting on their laurels and they're definitely a band that seem to have matured. They know their sound and they know how to take it to the next level. There's thrash moments. There's full-on assaults of blast beats. There's some quick tempos. There's some slow tempos. Vocalist Laura has this unmistakable, very identifiable death scream very screechy feeling. There's all those breakdowns, those windmill moments, those head-banging feelings. Big riffs, and the riffs in this album don't feel like they're just thrown in there for the sake of it. They feel like they've very much taken time out to figure out where a riff will suit, and not only suit, but work in the song. For me, like I said, I was really impressed, but also being honest, I don't feel like any song really stood out ahead of the others. There were some very good songs like Reality in Disarray and other ones like Extinguished, but overall the album kind of fell into that it's not bad, but it's not amazing It will be very exciting to see where this band go from here. Hopefully this isn't just a one-off, come back, do this album, that's it. Hopefully this then launches them into more albums and keep growing. The album we are talking about is Terminal Bloom. It is by Light This City. It is out now on Creator Destructor Records. And we give it a 7 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is the new album by Bleeding Through called Love Will Kill All, out now on Sharp Tone Records. Bleeding Through are a band that have made their return to the metal scene and they've come back with their standard, and I don't mean that in a bad way, their metalcore, electronica blended hardcore with a dark, gothy overtone. Bleeding Through have always had an original combination of these styles and it always feels fresh and revolutionary when it's done by Bleeding Through. As I said, they've come back. They've been away for about five or so years and this album is their way to come back into the scene. They sound re-energized. They sound like they've got a mission statement and they sound like they're about to blow modern metalcore out of the water. This album does everything you want it to do and more. If you've got to be honest, will this album be considered a classic? Maybe over time. Right now, I don't think it is a classic. I think it's outstanding, but I don't think it's a classic. 
it's still got this feeling of 2000s metalcore, which I'm fine with. Some people might criticize that, but I don't really know why. Bleeding Through have a way of embracing the best parts that they've done in the past and then incorporate some new, fresh feelings. Tracks like End Us and Dead Eyes have that traditional metalcore sound that they do, but it doesn't feel dated. The production is immaculate. Everything in the band sounds tight and sharp, and everything feels on point. Bleeding Through haven't pulled any punches. Brandon is still as vicious and menacing as a vocalist as ever. When you hear him on songs like No One From Nowhere, you just, you're blown out of the water that he still has this amount of pent-up anger. And he also has that ability with lyrics to be on point, to be aggressive, but to be beautiful and poetic at the same time. The album goes for nearly an hour, but it never feels like it's overstaying its welcome. I constantly felt like I was being assaulted. Choruses are still massive in this band. They still have that ability to throw in the clean choruses, but it doesn't feel cookie cutter. It doesn't feel watered down. It feels like it has a purpose in these choruses. Ultimately, this is the work of a band that has always been on top of their game, and they've come back to really prove that even though some time has passed, they are still one of the best in the game. Will this album propel them forward? hope it does. I hope people start remembering that this band is amazing. We don't have a lot of metalcore bands that are of quality. We have so much regurgitated crap. The Bleeding Through deserve to be the kings of the game. If you like Bleeding Through, you're going to fucking love this. If you haven't heard Bleeding Through before, this will be a perfect place to start. And then from here, go in, delve into that discography. I loved it. I would say if you're not quite sure at first, give it some more spins. It does grow. I found a few songs automatically that I was like, fuck yeah, blown away by. But then the more I listened to it, those other ones I weren't sure about grew on me even more. Absolutely stellar fucking album. So glad Bleeding Through are back. Now, hopefully, this means that there'll be even more coming. Hopefully, some shows here and there. And then, hopefully, in another year or two, we get another album. It is great to have Bleeding Through back. Metalcore has missed them. And now they're back. Let's welcome them back. Let's grab some CDs. Let's grab some vinyl. Let's buy it on iTunes. Give these guys the support they deserve. Overall, amazing. This album I am talking about is Love Will Kill All. It is by Bleeding Through, and I do give it a 9 out of 10. So that is it for Mosh Reviews this week. Of course, give us some feedback. Did you like the new way of doing reviews we've done this week? Do you think we should continue with this? Would you prefer that we go back to the old way of doing reviews? Send us an email. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or send us something through our website. Of course, also, is there something we've missed that's come out and you really think we should review it? Is there something that's coming out that you're like, please don't fucking review that. Avoid that album at all cost. Send us an email. Hit us up on the website. Hit us up on our social medias. Also, are you in a band and you've got an EP or an album coming out? 
Get in touch with us. Let's open up conversation and let's find a way to get your band on the show and reviewed. Of course, if you do want to send us an email, it is themoshzone at gmail.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the website is, of course, www.themoshzone.com. Get in touch. Open up some conversation. Let's grow this Mosh Zone community. So now it's time for my Mosh interview. I got to sit down with an absolute legend, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Very close, very good friend of mine. He's one of the few people I've met over the last five years who, despite the distances or changes in our life, we've always stayed in touch. And he's got a unique insight into the heavy music scene because not only has he played in bands and done the music thing, but he does live photography and he also does a podcast called Rock You Like a Hurricana. I really, really enjoyed this chat, and I'm really glad I got the chance to have him on the show. He is Owen, and that chat is coming up now. All right, so, all right, well, let's start off. Um, do you remember how old you were and kind of what environment you were in at the time, but what brought you to not just music, but something that had a guitar in it, per se? Well, see, because like I grew, so I grew up like my dad's into massively into Black Sabbath, Pink Floyd, Jethro Tull, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. So a lot of like that the um, the seventies metal and prog stuff. So that really got me into. So I pretty much grew up listening to that as well. Um, and like I remember one day he he was playing this like I think it was called like Masters of Metal vinyl. I've actually, he actually gave it to me as a present one like the other year. Like a hand-me-down vinyl when I started collecting. Nice. And it's got like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, REO Speedwagon on it for some strange reason. Wow. But, yeah, I know. <laughs> Metal as. <laughs> but um, yeah, and that really like hearing that like on a Saturday afternoon when he was getting everything ready for dinner that night was just kind of like ingrained in my memory as like when I was like five or six years old, and then I started finding my own stuff. So like maybe a couple of years, I even I was probably about 10 or 11 when I discovered Van Halen and they've been my favorite band ever since. And that's kind of like where my metal really started to kick in. And like they're having an older brother. It was like pretty much having my own kind of encyclopedia of music. He'd have his mates get him into bands and he'd pass them on to me. So they got him like Parkway Drive, Prom Queen, all those kind of bands. And then through that, we started playing guitar together. Hang on, go back. I mean, I know, and anyone that knows you well, you love Van Halen, and but it's not oh, just yeah. Van Halen; it's that glam rock. But what about? Yeah. I mean, for a kid, a young kid, um, everyone gets into a bit of rock. But what drew you to Van Halen of all bands? Why Van Halen? I think I think I was probably about nine or ten, and I and I saw the Jump film clip. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, and it's just like David Lee, like. Like everyone in that band was doing his own incredible things. So like you got David Lee Ross doing those ridiculous like splits in the air and like the massive like um, like fly kicks and whatever. And then you've got and at the time I was playing like I, I do that whole like music like the keyboard music class in primary school. So like 
I heard this synth line. I'm like, I can play that. And then, like, I took it to my keyboard teacher and we learned how to play jump, like, throughout the next few weeks, like, after hearing that, like, on the synth. And then, like, so, and then just, like, every mem- it just Yeah, I remember just seeing it all on, like, the TV. It was on, like, Rage or something. It was, like, a throwback. I'm like, this is so cool. And then, like, that year, Mum gave me, like, a best of Van Halen scene and just kind of snowballed from there. I think I think something that's also commendable is that you still love them with as much passion now as you did then. Yeah. I mean, is it is it ever been a time when you're like oh, I'm a bit over it, or is it just always that's that's the band? Like, there's just no they've matter. Got, they've always been the band. Like, I think I was in since I was like 17. I've spent probably close to five hundred dollars on Van Halen like merchandise Fucking and yeah. vinyl. I have like super rare pressings of Van Halen album that you can't find anywhere that I've somehow found. Like, it's <laughs> That's just that, collections. Yeah, they're just yeah. that band that I would never give up ever, ever. Like, I've got to commend like, you for it because some people, I mean, they just they grow up listening to something or a certain band, and then when they get into their late teens and early twenties, they just forget it. Yeah, you've stuck with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I get. I, 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 I've, I've done that as well with with other bands that I've, I've probably listened to. And, like, it's funny because in, like, my mid-teenage years, I'd listen to nothing. Like, it was always, like... And that's when I kind of got into the more proggy side of, like, metal. So, like, Misery Signals, Protest the Hero, Between the Bird and Me. But I was always listening to Van Halen and Glam Metal, no matter what. It was just, like... I'd still listen to that, but, like, that's when, like, the, the heavier stuff kind of took over for a little bit, too. Now, that heavier style, you also mentioned around that time you started getting into bands and playing instruments. So yeah. um, apart from the keyboard, uh, what was yep. the next? I mean, we're, nothing wrong with the keyboard. We're not dissing the keyboardists no. out there, you know. Um, but what was <laughs> what was the next step in your musical instrument journey? So when I was, I was, when I was 11, 10 or 11, my, I, my uncle sadly passed away and he was really into um, like – Playing, he had an awesome, a wicked guitar and amp collection. He was kind of like, and him and dad used to go to, to concerts together. They saw Pink Floyd together. They were like the, the two brothers that like, they did it a little bit together in the 80s, like just always listen to the same bands. Um, so obviously, I guess thanks to him as well, I, was, I listened to a lot of stuff I listen to now. But um, my auntie was like, hey, look, I've got this guitar. I thought I'd give it to you. That was Brian's. I'm like, oh, cool. Being 11 years old, I'm like, oh, sweet, guitar. Later found out that it's, that it's an Ibanez. It's like, it's like somewhat like my uncle had obviously like gotten two Ibanezes and put them together to make this like Frankenstein kind of thing. <laughs> I've had people offer me like five grand for it. I'm like, nah, it's kind of mine. But so like I got that when I was 11 and I just started learning just everything I could. Like I remember over that summer, me and my brother went through a massive Grinspoon phase and just played nothing but Grinspoon. Oh, a spoon. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Exactly. That's like your teenage years, isn't it? Not mine. No, my teenage years. My teenage years was when Green Day started, and they were like, you know, <laughs> this is before time of your life. That was my Green Day period. Ah, um, uh, this is true. So but, um, with guitar, like, yeah. did you did you find that that gave you the process of feeling a bit creative, like? Did you think, all right, this is what I'm going to do? Did you knuckle down and focus, or was it just something casual? 
to do? No, it was definitely a knuckle-down focus thing. And because I started playing it close to the like the end of primary school, I'm like, oh, so in high school, I'll play, play guitar and I'll play guitar in, in year seven and it'll be all awesome. But I remember over that, over that summer, my brother was like, because I play guitar, you should get a bass. So I ended up playing a bass. So I was the bass player in the family for a while as well. Um, in turn, my addiction to Iron, to Iron Maiden as well led me to play bass for ages and ages and saw every Steve Harris bass line I could possibly play. So, yeah, it all kind of just snowballed from uh, getting a guitar as a hand-me-down kind of inheritance gift to me just going balls out and playing every instrument I could with string. Now, when, when you were getting into doing bands, did you decide to, outside of the high school you know, environment, decide to give it a crack, like give it an actual go? Yeah, um, I, I actually didn't really, that didn't really start until once I left high school, which is funnily enough. Because like in high school, my, my school wasn't really like a rock band school for some reason. So, like, I had to pick up, like, a proper instrument. So I played saxophone and just started playing in ska bands in high school, which was equally as fantastic. Fuck yeah, Area 7. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Area 7, Real Big Fish, Less Than Jake, anything I could that had a wicked horn line I'd try and play. Fuck but, like, I actually didn't, I, funnily enough, I didn't start my own band until, like, literally a couple of weeks after I'd, I'd graduated year 12, which is kind of weird. What was the band called? So, we were called the Miyagi's, because one of my favorite <laughs> movies is The Karate Kid. Yes. <laughs> my mate, he's like, he's like, he's like, you can drum, yeah? I'm like, oh, pretty decently, because like, as you can probably tell, I like to overachieve a lot of, a lot of the time. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. And, and he messaged me going, do you want to drum in a band? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll give it a whirl. And then <laughs> he was like... What should we call it? And I was watching Karate Kid. I'm like, why don't we just call it the Miyagi's? He's like, sounds good to me. <laughs> and then we just kind of like ripped off every minor threat and black flag, like kind of riff possible. But then it was kind of like, at the time, my mate Sam, who was a guitarist, was like, I'm really into the Beach Boys at the moment. I'm like, all right. So we just mm. kind of like fused the two together. And it was this weird like surf punk hardcore band. Now, did you guys get on the live circuit? Did you play some live shows? Yeah, like, so I was in the band for, like, nine months, and we played at least, like, two or three shows a month. Wow. Like, we were lucky because our bass player was, like, in Freezer, if you remember Uh, Freezer from your Melbourne days. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) We won't go into that. No. um, (laughs) No, we do. And so, like, it was kind of easy for us because, like, he was on the committee, so we had a a gig, like, ease, like, straight away. Now, we what, kind of formed so we could play the Battle of the Bands, and then we just kind of got a really good reaction, so we just kept going. So what, I mean, obviously, you know, things didn't pan out, but what what brought about the finish of doing live music or being in a band? Was was there something in particular that made you go, maybe this isn't what it's cracked up to be, or what brought about the no more band stuff? Well, I thought, like, during that year was when I started taking photos. Ah. So it was kind of like, yeah, it was pretty, I, I, I left high school, I started uni, and then I picked up the camera because I was, at the time, I was like co-running like an online magazine mm-hmm. with a, 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 mate of, a mate from Perth, and 
we started doing concert reviews, but we had no photographers. I'm like, oh, I might as well take photos. And then it got to the point where, like, we were getting a little bit of traction with this magazine. So, like, I had to kind of choose between covering bands and then playing in my own, which kind of sucked because I love doing both. But um, I feel like I may have potentially chosen the better path. Well, uh, look at it. So you don't look back with any regret on leaving that behind and not giving it a full-on crack? Well, maybe like six to eight months after I stopped in like the Miyagi's, I just started playing cover bands with my cousin and my uncle, just doing like the pubs and like the local northern suburbs of Melbourne, just eight 60s, 70s and 80s covers every Saturday night. And that was heaps of fun because that kind of gave me my bit of my dose of playing live as well as fitting in like whatever gigs I had to shoot as well. Because that was also like guaranteed, as like greedy as that was like guaranteed money too. Yeah, that's true. Now, Whereas some like some like little shitty punk gig, you might not get paid for it. So now talking about photography, you mentioned how you started doing it. Um, now, why photography? Like, what was it? Literally, a case of you need to pick this up to help out, or was it you had this vision of hey, I want to do that. I want to be behind the lens. It was a bit of both. Well, firstly, it was like, I want to pick this up so I don't have to like... Because I had a, a few run-ins with some really unreliable photographers I was getting to cover the shows for us and they just weren't giving us shots. Oh. So it was kind of like, I'm, I'm I'm sick of dealing with shit people so I'm just going to do it myself so I can, so I don't have to deal with all that like crap anymore. Um, but then like after like a month, I was like, I'm actually... You know, I'm going to sound like a dick. After a <laughs> month, I'm it. like... I'm actually pretty good at this. Like, I've kind of picked this up pretty quickly. So, um... Well, I think I you definitely... I mean, as a... Sounds like a biased person um, because you are one of my best friends, but also because I saw your work before I got to know you. You yeah. have found a way to not do the same photos that everyone else does. They are... Yeah. They are definitely your photos. Um, and that's, yeah. without a doubt, something that... Did you just kind of have the knack to do that or did it take a lot of learning to get that kind of style? I think like the first few shows I shot, they looked like everyone else's, but then I started like looking at things differently, um, standing in different spots to other photographers were, um, using different equipment, like using a longer lens and getting like focusing more on the, the face compared to the whole body of the person. So like, especially like with vocalists and stuff, um, so I think, and that's kind of like carried on throughout like, shit, I've been in this for four years, the, the past <laughs> four years. So, um, yeah, and and, I, and obviously like throughout the years you get better better equipment and venues get better lighting and you just get like a better, like a better eye for everything because you're always learning. You know this yourself with music as well. Now with, with that um, being behind the camera, do you also think having been on stage gives you that little bit of, insight as well to where to stand and what to pinpoint i think so as well because like like even like also like at the time and just before i started taking photos because like, i'm a qualified sound and lighting guy as well mm. so i kind of know what ben's looking for when it comes to light shows and like production too so um like i know and as working because i used to tour with bands just like roading and selling months like, i know how bands operate I know like where they stand on stage and what happens. So, and also like being in the band, being in bands myself, it's like 
I know what shots I want to take it to me, so I'm going to just take the same as what I wanted and see if people like it or not. Now, being being a being a photographer, do you? I mean, this is a this is a loaded question. Do you come across um, a lot of disrespect and negativity? Because I think it's it's a bit interesting. I think people um, know they need a photographer, and people know they have their place there. But do you find some people just don't give a shit? They try and mosh on you or um, ignore you. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Like, is there any negatives to being in the live environment taking photos? I can I, I definitely, I, I've come across a couple instances like that, but luckily for me, like, because at the, when I started taking photos, a lot of photographers were like either small dudes or those were, like, especially in the Melbourne, like, hardcore scene, there was lots of girls taking photos, which is really cool. But luckily for me, I'm six foot three, I'm 115 kilos, and I'm built. So, not much is going to take to knock me. Like, not, uh, quite a bit's going to take to knock me down. Yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to fuck with you and with that beard as well. That's... Yeah, so like I, I was kind of like in the sense that like my my stature kind of helped because I could shoot. I could even stand in the middle of a crowd and shoot over the top of people. So I didn't really. And I'm not. I'm, I'm not afraid to get in the middle of a in the middle of a mosh anyway. So I've been one to just put my camera down and just start moshing anyway during the during the show. Now so, you would have seen a lot of shows, and I know you've taken a lot of shows. But what's something? What's one experience that you thought was you'd never forget? Like not as in like it was in a massive moment, but it was something unique you saw happen. Like something silly, something funny, something horrible. Um, I think one of my favourite moments was last year. Like I, I shot Dillinger Escape Plan. It was their last show in Australia, in Melbourne. And Ben Wyman, the guitarist, just like launched at me and kicked me straight in the head as I was taking photos of them because <laughs> he just like stage dive and all of a sudden his foot is just directly in my face. I'm like, sick. That was the, like, I didn't even hate it. It was just so much fun because I knew what I was in for with that band as well. Now, I know you've, you've ticked a lot of bands off your list in photography. You've achieved the Dellinger, as you said, you've, you know, done Limp Biscuit, you've done Parkway Drive. I mean, I'm not yeah. even not even really on the I haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg on this, but is there now you can't say Van Halen, but is there a <laughs> band that is on the top of that list that you've yet to achieve? And I know you've done Sebastian Buck as well, so Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna say, yeah, that was the greatest night of my life. Like on your honestly, this is the most incredible thing ever. But I'm just trying to. I think probably Iron Maiden or Metallica, as like yeah. generic as that sounds. It's kind of like the ones where it's like I've been real. As you said, I've been like I've shot literally every band I've ever wanted to take photos of, pretty much. And like I know there's ones that I won't get to take photos of, like being Van Halen. I might try for Def Leppard, seeing as I announced the tour yesterday. Yes, with Scorpions. Bad boy. Oh, dude, don't even get me started. <laughs> just. Oh, I'm, I'm already teasing my hair getting ready for the show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it'd be like a, like, like a Metallica or an Iron Maiden, probably. Because I think everyone, I honestly think everyone else I've kind of ticked off the list. Yeah, the the, the catalogue of artists that you've achieved is, as you said, in four years is amazing. Um, it's pretty, I, I, I say to people, it's pretty dumb. Like, it's just stupid. And it, like, I get, like, I know, I, I know myself, I've worked really hard for it too. And like, especially recently, because I don't shoot, 
I don't shoot as many bands anymore because of what I what I, like the other photography work I do. But well, like, why um, is why is I was going to ask, but but just to interrupt there. But why have you? I know you've got the wrestling stuff now, and the wrestling stuff's taking off, and you've got your residency with like MCW and stuff. But why yeah. why slow down uh, the band work? Just not as fun anymore, or just I think I think I kind of it's not not as fun anymore. And there's also like, and this isn't complaining. So if anyone thinks I'm complaining, I'm not. <laughs> there's just so many photographers. Yeah. So like, and because I, I actually did take, and you you know this because I remember giving you the depressing phone call. I took like six months off taking photos a couple of years back. Yeah, and you've so, the the bounce back you've made is amazing. Like it's a thanks, a, man. Big credit to yourself with your determination to come back. Um, but I and like I found during that six months off period that unfortunately loyalty isn't a thing with anyone. Mm. So the people I used to like take heaps of photos of found someone else, which is fair enough. They need photos taken, and like I'm those those people still use those people to take photos. So I honestly don't care. That's that's like that, that's life. That's that's what happens when you work. You you leave and someone else takes your spot. That's completely fine. I'm completely fine with that. But um, and then also like. I got an offer from KillYourStereo.com who have just been like completely like changed my life. Like they knew, like I, I've known the guys who run that for a while. I met them before, like, geez, I met them like eight years ago at a, at a Ghost Inside concert. And like, and then a few years later they started taking over KillYourStereo and then a few years later they were like, hey, do you want to start like being like our number one guy? They're like, we know you don't do much music stuff anymore and that's fine but if you want to do it, the offer's there. I'm like, Hey, I'm like, what can you give me? They're like, literally any show you ever want to shoot, I can, we can do it. I'm like, cool. So <laughs> works for me. <laughs> I, and and I guess like, I don't do as much local stuff anymore. But to be honest, as long as like the Melbourne hardcore scene is kind of dying off, it sucks. Now that's interesting because I was wanting to ask you that question specifically about the local scene, not including you know the big bands and the big headliners. Where where do you see our local scene from an outsider's perspective, but you're also an insider's? Where do you see it? Do you see us in a lull, or do you see us in a weird period? What do you think right now? So I, how I see it, and which is like I say it to a lot of people who were like who were in the scene and stuff. Two three years ago, I was shooting like two or three shows a weekend, even a day, um, and that's just because there was so many shows on. But as the band, like, as the guys that were headlining those small shows of, like, your Ocean Goes, Void of Visions, as they've gotten signed and doing massive shows, and when they do headliners in Melbourne now in, like, the bigger, like, the Max Watts or the bigger venues, the smaller bands want to want to support those. So they're more, like, they're more, their goal-oriented now is to get to, to support those shows. Yeah. But also the people who, put, who used to put on those massive shows, who, who used to put on all those local shows throughout the weekends, like every week, like they're doing their own thing now. And like, unfortunately, no one's stepped up to fill that void, if you know what I mean. Yeah, do, do, I totally agree. Do you also think it's maybe also, I've, I've noticed, um, no matter where you are in Australia, it seems to be not a lot of people going to shows as well. Yeah, only like the big, only like the big shows. Yeah. Like... Not even like small, like 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 mid card international shows or stuff like stuff like that. 
Like, I shot Miss Mayo last year, and, like, I walked from the stage to the back door of Max of Max Watts without even getting in anyone's way. Fuck, that's horrible for an international band. Yeah, and, like, for... and Exactly, and that was a pretty sick show, too. Like, the, the car... Like, the bill was, like... I think it was, like, them, Siler, and, like, Earthcore, a whole bunch of yeah. awesome album bands. But, like, there wasn't that many people rock up. And, like, I think people only really want to go to, like, the bigger shows now because that's what they want to spend their money on. That's fair enough. I guess everyone has their own taste. What do you think? I mean, this is something I'm I'm quite interested to see what you think as well. Do you think people are a bit spoiled now for choice because they went through a period of, there was, as you said, so many shows on that, you know, they could go to a mall or just pick one. And now because they've also got all of this music at their fingertips that, you know, they don't see anything as serious. Nobody's really focused on having a physical CD anymore, so nobody's really worried yeah. if they go to a live show because someone will go film it and upload it on YouTube. So I guess you can stay home and watch it anyway. It's... Yeah, I had this discussion, uh, funnily enough, I had this discussion with my mum the other week because we went to Queen and Adam Lambert. Again, amazing show. Nice. Um, it was awesome. And the people in front of me were facebook living the show. Yeah. I'm like... What's the what's the fucking point of like of like selling tickets to a show if you're gonna have someone in the crowd like Facebook living so their friends can watch it at home? So and and I think it's also like and yeah to your point like because music's so easily accessible these days I have this discussion with my friends all the time like oh I don't go to like I don't like live music how can you not like live music that's weird like they're like oh I, I, or the one that kicks me is like oh you, like I have some. I remember once I met someone like, oh, like I really like this band. I'm like, oh, they're coming out next week. They're like, oh, I wouldn't pay to see them though. Like that doesn't like yeah. To me, it's just it's just dumb. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, I think it's like it's very weird. It's very weird period for um. I think especially Australian music to be honest, because in Europe people go, um, in America they go. I think right here we're in a lull. But um, I wanted to next talk about wrestling. We've got to talk yep. about wrestling. Got to. Got to. I mean, it is it is the digital beard way. Now, yeah. you have a podcast, and for anyone out yeah. there um, who's not sure, it will be included in the title of this. Uh, first off, how did you come up with the name Rock You Like a Hurricane Rana? Because I really like puns. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the guy I do it with, Simon... Like he just hit he he just hit me up so because he goes to MCW shows and he hit me up he's like hey I've got this he's like I've heard you like like metal I've got this idea for a show I don't have a name for it yet let's start brainstorming we went up a few times we started brainstorming and I was like I want a really good name not not just like a rock and metal show like like a like a metal and wrestling show I want it to be like a decent name and I'm like. Because there's the Hurricane Rana wrestling move, and then there's the Wicked Scorpion song Rocky Like a Hurricane. I'm like, holy shit! It, it literally writes itself. <laughs> so, um, and another one we had in the can was um, Creeping Death Valley Driver. Oh, not bad. Yeah, but I think we might say that for a Metallica episode if we ever do one. Yes. So, but yeah, so that's that's how the because I just really like puns, and it just came about like that, like the the, the show title. I love it. I think it's a great show title. And also, if anyone out there, I want to talk a bit about the show, but anyone who hasn't hasn't heard it yet, make sure you get on Facebook. Um, it, there is a page there. Get the link, download it, listen to it. Um, one thing about it 
is I love how it's not just wrestling and it's not just heavy metal, but it intertwines both of them. Uh, yeah. Do you guys find that is is there ever periods of you like there's too much that you could talk about or there's not enough? Like, how do you come up with your weekly content because it's always refreshing, it's always different. No show is the same as the previous show. How do you guys do that? Well, that's the thing with like, like we don't have a we don't have a straight format. Like every 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 show is different. Like, well, there might be a show like we've done a show on Motley Crue, so we did we ran through their discography, and then at the end of the show, we'll listen to the time they did a really shit performance on Rory in 1998 because it was just goddamn awful. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like we just try and find things that um, because pretty obvious like the, the the metal and wrestling link is so strong oh, and like huge. we felt like no one was pointing it out so why do you think the two are linked so much because it's undeniable when you hear the entrance musics and all of this and people like seth rollins is a massive wrestling fan why do you just think it's something that's natural the aggression of wrestling and the aggression of music like why yeah. do you think there's and, the link? And, and the looks as well like you've got guys with long hair tattoos just like throwing their bodies around, it's like being in the mosh pit. It's just like the same thing, but um, and yeah, but it's obviously, like I don't know. I think it's just the way, yeah, the music just writes practically writes itself to be a wrestling entrance thing. Now, like if, I know you went to WrestleMania. Yes, I did. I was very we were, we were super lucky to get that opportunity. It was amazing. Fucking huge thing. Amazing footage. Some great interviews going on there. What's the yeah. next? Um, what's the next goal for the show to go and achieve with wrestling? Is it? Uh, do you want to go to Wrestle Kingdom as a show? Like, what's the what's the goal? I would love to go to Wrestle. Well, I went to Wrestle Kingdom this year as a as a fan, like mm. person. Um, <laughs> person. But I'd love, uh, <laughs> if we could, if we could do that. But- so I get over to Japan and do some stuff over there would be amazing because again the Japanese metal scene is insane. Like I had so much fun over there, um, but I think with the whole whispers of the potential massive stadium show for the WWE in October, it's just to like keep our, our current good terms with WWE because we're on pretty good terms with them. Luckily enough, so yeah, you're on great just, terms. If we can be their go-to guys for stuff in Australia, I think that we'd be super content with that. Because, like, that's just something huge. And if we keep getting invited back to WrestleMania year after year, we'll do it. Now, I want to ask you a bit of a fantasy question with wrestling. Okay. Okay. Now, you have to pick a current wrestler. Yep. And a previous wrestler, as in they're no longer around, either through death, retirement, whatever. Put them together as a tag team, and you have to pick a band to be the entrance music. Holy shit! <laughs> how's, how's that? I've, I've been thinking. I've spent all week thinking of a fucking unique wrestling question. So, um, that's re- fuck, that's not bad. So, current um, wrestler. The current wrestler will be Seth Rollins. It's, a, it's super easy to pick. Yep. Now, previous or past wrestler? Um. Oh, there's so many good ones. All right, go Attitude um, Era only. Attitude Era, oh, that's the one I don't really like, to be honest. <laughs> um, oh, pass. But see, a lot of them still wrestle on the Indies. That's kind of hard. It can, um, it can, you're on the clock here. Owen Hart. Nice. Great pick. Yeah. Band doing so. the music. Um, 
I could go something really awful and say Motley Cruz, say kickstart my heart, but it's a little bit distasteful in the Owen Hart region. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit t- too soon, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I reckon. Oh, I reckon Misery Signals. Oh, nice. What song? Or um, original? Weight of the World. <sighs> Fuck yeah, sick song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, see, Tyler Black slash Seth Rollins used the Misery Signals song as his. In, in the indies for a tiny bit, so I think that works. That's sick. Fuck yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, Misery Signals have like so many bands have used Misery, so many wrestlers have used Misery Signals songs on the indies. It makes my heart so happy. They're, I think they're also just one of those bands that are just underrated altogether. I think. Oh, dude! Like that, that, I remember when they the last time they came to Australia was during like my first year of taking photos. And I think that was one of my biggest regrets of not taking photos of that show. Because I went to it as a punter, but didn't take my camera with me. And I regret it massively. Well, they are getting back for another album. So you never know. This is, this is true. Hopefully they come back. Because that band just rules so hard. Fucking sick. One of my favourites too. Now, Mr. Digital Beard Owen, before yeah. I let you go, I have my Pick Your Poison segment. I love this segment. It always it always pops me. I love it. I love it. So it's a would you rather for anyone that's yep. listening at home that's not sure. You get two options. You got to give me the one that you'd be happy to live with for the rest of your life. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can. I think I can do it. All right. Pizza or burger? Ah, oh, pizza. I'm a pizza guy. Bang. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Protein. Protein. Gains. <laughs> yes. Cooking or dining out? I like cooking. Ooh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Cat or dog? Oh, dog, easy. Beach Have or you snow? Seen my dog? Yeah, Bowie. He's so adorable. <laughs> like, I can't get over your dog. Um, the best. Beach or snow? Uh, snow. I hate the hot weather. I struggled so bad in New Orleans. It was the worst thing. So, yeah. No, easy. <laughs> cinema or couch? I'm going to say cinema. Nice. I get too distracted on the couch. Nice. Metallica or Pantera? Oh, you asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pantera. I got, I, yeah, I got a Pantera. They're just the best. Mosh pit or up the back? Up the back nowadays. Nice. If this was if this was four years ago, I'd say mosh pit. But I'm getting old. I'm 22. It's hard to mosh these days. Fuck off, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> fuck. Star Wars or Star Trek? I don't. I'm not like fan. I'm. They're not my fandom. But I'd go Star Wars because I enjoy the movie. I enjoy it a little bit better. Now that's this- not my vibe. Yeah, I'm the same. I but I respect Star Wars a bit a bit more. Yeah. Um, Terminator or Predator? Terminator. Nice. Randy Savage or Mr. Perfect? <sighs> Mr. Perfect. Undertaker or Kane? Oh, Taker easily. And PS4 or Xbox? I'm a PS4 guy. Nice. Fuck yeah. And thank you again for taking time out for the show. No problem, man. It's been a long time coming. Long time coming. Sick interview. So that was my chat with Owen of Digital Beard Photography and Rock You Like a Hurricana. 
thank you so much, Owen, for taking time out for the show. Absolute fucking legend. Great chat. Great to just catch up and, you know, chitty chat for a bit. It was great. Great bro chat. And so glad, as I said earlier, to have him on the show. And that is The Mosh Zone, episode 19, volume 19, week 19, done for this week. We're all over, done and dusted. We have some great shows coming up. As always, all of our shows have been great, to be honest. I don't think we've had a bad one yet. Um, Do let me know if you think we have. Um, I don't think we have, have we? No, we haven't at all. Every episode's been great so far, and we're building and growing and growing. Got some great, exciting chats coming up over the next few weeks. I speak to Justice for the Damned. I speak to Get the Shot. I speak to Too Pure to Die, and I also get to speak to the owner of Resist Records. Just to name a few, all of those coming up over the next few weeks. If this is your first time listening or you're a frequent listener, thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate your support. Also, if you have the free time and you enjoyed this episode or enjoyed a previous episode, please help us out and share it on your social medias. Help us spread the word. Also, don't forget to subscribe through iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Podbean, all of those services. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get it every week. We will be coming to Spotify very soon. We will let you know as soon as that happens. And that is it. Make sure you have a safe week. Enjoy your week. Open the push.